Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi everyone, welcome to yet another episode of the Tana Talks Soccer Podcast. And you know what I'm about to talk about. And if you don't, you should be ashamed of yourselves. This means that you haven't been following up. You don't know what I'm doing on here. Come on, this is the best football podcast. Stop slacking. If you really love football, you know what to do. Subscribe, rate us, and yeah, share. Do everything that we deserve. Now, down to the action. PSG versus Manchester City over both legs. So Manchester City go through. And Manchester City are going to be in Istanbul on May 29th to play in the Champions League final. So will Chelsea. They defeated Real Madrid over two legs as well. Hmm. And of course, I'm going to talk about this clash. There are a lot of talking points. There's the Neymar talking point. There's the Hazard talking point. There's the Pochettino talking point. There's the Pep talking point. There's the De Bruyne talking point. There's the Phil Foden talking point. There's the Mbappe talking point. Like, there's the Diaz talking point. There's N'Golo Kante talking point. I promise you, this podcast is the bomb here. Like, if you, if you love football, if you love Champions League football, like, this is what you should be listening to because I'm going to talk about every single thing you want to hear. So just stay tuned, okay? Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Welcome to your favorite podcast, the number one, Tana Talk Soccer Podcast. Okay, first off, I would love to start with Manchester City versus Paris Saint-Germain. Of course, I analyzed the first leg, you know, in my previous episodes, analyzing the first leg of the Champions League semi-final clashes. So I wouldn't touch much on that, but I'm just going to summarize. It was a game of two halves. The first half, PSG dominated proceedings, and in the second half, Manchester City dominated proceedings. Manchester City scored two goals during their dominant spell and PSG scored just a goal. Uh, PSG saw a red card, Ganage got a very, a very, um, a, a red card for a very careless tackle. Uh, I need to be calming down. I really do need to be calming down. Yeah, I actually think, you know, I've actually thought about something and, and it's actually come across that I can actually succeed as a rapper, you know, like post around vibes and stuff because the rate at which I talk, breath control and all that, I think it's pretty impressive. What do you think? Okay, I'm going to get back into football. Back into football, Manchester City got that away win in Paris. But then, like, to be honest, I don't think PSG fans were, were panicking. Of course, you know, like, your back's against the wall. Manchester City are now 
clearly favorite right now and they're in control of the tie but you know Paris Saint-Germain and their away record has been way better than their home record. Their home record this season, especially in the league, or has been nothing to write home about. And if you see in the previous round against Bayern Munich, against Barcelona, they didn't win their home ties. So this means that there was like, I won't say a lot of hope, but at least people were like, okay, let's see what's going to happen here because PSG have generally performed better on the road than at home. But I have to say, yesterday's performance was just not good enough. And I'm going to talk about the coaches' decisions. I'm also talk about. I'm also going to talk about the players. Uh, like, if you follow me and if you listen to my podcasts and my, if you read my tweets and generally just follow me and like my ideology of football, you will really notice that I really attribute very little to the coaches and and the managers or whatever you want to call them. And this is not because they are not very important. Of course, they are very very important in the game. They drop the master planner along with their tens and tens of staff all have their departments and they come up with the plan from game to game and like okay this is what we're going to try to do they do the meetings they show the players the slides and talk about what they want them to do generally and stuff like that so yes but also a lot that happens on the football pitch a lot that happens on the football pitch really doesn't have anything to do with the managers as someone who plays football too very well like this is something i know from this you know like a lot happens on the football pitch that doesn't just have anything to do with the managers a lot of decisions a lot of errors a lot of a lot of poor there's so many things that go on in a football pitch that directly affect the results of games that actually have nothing to do with the manager so down to this psg and, and the manchester city game manchester city actually were very comfortable in just keeping their shape most times you see manchester city being very eager to press like they just wanted the ball and and this can actually leave them open if they face a side who are actually taking care of the ball pretty well and know how to really move into those spaces quickly and attack that's why i've seen them have problems with certain sides over the years under Pep Guardiola and again even in the Champions League too like this has been a main reason of course Manchester City dominate they create chances but these other teams have been able to create chances because Manchester City what should I say they are so desperate for the ball every single time so I think and I really do need to give Pep Guardiola a whole lot of credit like a whole lot of credit I'm very serious here because Manchester City were just so comfortable in their shape and for Paris Paris didn't do enough to trouble them I keep talking about runs I keep talking about movement now when you have a defensive line that is so balanced everyone looks stable the shape looks proper everything proper if you are to stand a chance of like moving them if you are to stand a chance of getting in behind of getting space it's all about the speed you have to move the ball fast enough you have to move the ball faster sluggish passes and all just standing in one place trying to dribble and stuff like that the defense is going to get the the defense has the advantage all day sorry in situations like this okay the defense has the advantage you need to move the ball there needs to be runs everywhere there needs to be that fluidity that exchange of positions among the front three players of front four front two or however the manager decides to play that is when you stand the only chance and sadly for PSG this was just totally non-existent in their play Neymar was breaking up the play too much as we see him do so 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 many times and the funny thing is this to be honest he's an entertainer okay but Neymar at his best is actually when he moves with speed he takes players on he just goes like purposeful moving not just stopping the game slowing down the pace and stuff like that it doesn't help anybody it doesn't help you it doesn't increase your chances of doing anything because when you're running when you're running at players when you're running with direction when there's so much pace and everyone is moving and you're moving purposefully it actually increases this is where Neymar is at this is where he's most dangerous actually to be honest this is where he can have the most impact because he's pretty fast and he's pretty skillful and he's a pretty pretty good footballer there's no denying that so like 
uh, not only Neymar, you know, and again, Icardi, 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 oh my goodness, Icardi. Like, Icardi, like, over the last, like, seven years, six, seven years, this has been one of my favorite players. I, I, I've not been impressed with his, with his stint at Paris, but while he was at uh, Inter Milan, he was so good. But just as what he does, in terms of moving, moving, finding those spaces, Icardi, oh my goodness, I really used to idolize this guy in terms of how he moved in the box. He was so smart with that. With a PSG right now, like there was no movement. Like as much as I'm going to, I'm criticizing Neymar for slowing down play and things like this. A lot of the time, there were just not enough options around him, and actually, the only thing he has to do is actually to turn back and pass back, or maybe just try to stop and like try and dribble and do some stepovers or some skills like that. And like he was alternating between the two decisions from play to play and stuff like that. So the movement was so poor. And like Ikadi was just non-existent. And I feel like really when you look at your team and you look at the strengths of the team, like how many ball carriers do you have? What kind of players do you have? How many players can hold up the play for you? How far up the pitch can these players get the ball? With your situations, with the injuries, with the availability, in what areas would the likes of Neymar and Di Maria get the ball? What will be their defensive responsibility when Manchester City are hitting on the counter? Because there was no Cancelo this time. You have Walker and you have Zinchenko. These guys are physical and Walker especially very physical, very fast. And when you have those guys who evacuate the wings, they are playing centrally. Neymar was pretty central and not for once did Poch even like let's even try taking him out wide like having that presence on the wings you know what i'm saying so on the wings manchester city players had a field day for mahrez to walker to Foden, to zinchenko field day and let's look at the goals now like i'm even saying this from 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 like the tactical setup of both managers but like like not i won't say coincidentally and when i look at my analysis and i just remember just now look at the goals look at the goals zinchenko mahrez all from the wings everything wing to wing so exposed so exposed right there so pochettino has like he he has his own first share of blame but like as 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 it is in football every year every season almost every game every champions league tournament as this as teams get, um, keep getting knocked out a lot of managers have blames you know like no one is perfect pep makes a whole lot of mistakes Klopp, you've seen with liverpool this season makes a lot of mistakes everyone makes mistakes so like i'm not going to overthink it okay getting to the semi-final was was good now the main disappointment for me was the players because even with Poch's decisions over two legs PSG should have done better than losing 4-1 like I'm not going to sit here and tell you that if the players executed properly then PSG would have won maybe not maybe not like I don't deal with if sorry I just don't like the idea maybe not maybe PSG would not have won I wouldn't just claim like I'm right because Poch didn't do what I wanted him to do and then they didn't win. I won't do that. But what I'm saying is this. If, if and only if these players actually took their chances in the first half of the first leg, if they were really assertive, if they actually played with more urgency because they were controlling the game, Manchester City were everywhere running for their dear lives. They couldn't even pass out. They couldn't even get to the midfield. You know, like if they used this momentum, if they, they got into a lot of brilliant half spaces, if they used this properly, then... The story might have been very different. And even the second leg, you know, PSG were... Like, Manchester City just hit them on the counter-attack. And they did it brilliantly. From Manchester City's perspective, they'll be very happy. Now, from Paris' perspective, this was very poor. Now, let me analyze something to you. This is basic football 101. Hopefully, one day I go into coaching and I start from, like, little kids or whatever. This is the first thing you teach people. After, of course, you know how to play football. Now, you want to think in a team way, as a team. 
how does everyone have their eyes on the player with the ball and no one around? You can't have four defenders, okay? And each of them are ball watching. All of them are ball watching. I have to say, sorry, this is Sunday league stuff. This is amateur stuff. Anyone can quote me. You go to any football camp, any football camp as a 14-year-old, as a 15-year-old, and the coaches are going to tell you this when they're analyzing your footages. This is unacceptable in football. This is unacceptable. So, Mares being free at the back post when there are so many defenders there. Okay, fine. I understand what happened there. You get the ball over and stuff like that. Good pass to break the lines. Fantastic counter-attack. Who was tracking that run? This is the this is the point. Like, let's say someone was tracking it, but maybe Mares was too quick. Still, you should have started tracking it early enough. But I will cut you some slack there, okay? But Mares was totally unmarked. No one had eyes on him. No one was aware. Why weren't they aware? They are just looking like how many players are good. Like, you can't do anything about it, okay? You have to be aware of the position. So, like, this was such an amateur goal to concede. The second goal on the counter. And the first goal was, oh my, oh my goodness, the ball, the ball from Ederson. The ball from Ederson. The ball from Ederson. My goodness, my goodness. See this guy, I keep saying it. I keep saying it every single time. I will never, ever stop giving him presents. He's such a fantastic goalkeeper. Short saving as well. Don't never, never forget that. Yes, there's a mistake or two in him. But let's be very honest. There's basically a mistake or two in every goalkeeper right now in Europe. To be honest, everybody like we see it every time. So let's not let's not be hypocritical. Every goalkeeper makes errors so many times. We see it nowadays. But his ability with his feet. Oh my goodness me. Oh my goodness me, it's out of this world. And that ball taking out the whole Paris Saint-Germain team into Zinchenko. Once again, like PSG could have done better. Especially in, like not, not with the Zinchenko ball. Because I believe PSG played it. They had a line. They were narrow. They were on the halfway line. Zinchenko provided with. And all Ederson had to do was just to send that diagonal over the top into the centralized areas in behind the PSG's backline. And Zinchenko also making that diagonal run. That, that diagonal run to meet the ball. Ah, I guess like there may be some criticism for PSG, but the line was very ugly. They knew what they were doing, okay? But who would have thought that the goalkeeper was going to give that pass? <laughs> so I have no criticism in, in terms of the first play. But again, the same problem. Too cheap. No follow-ups, no nothing. And from Kimpembe and, and Mara's situation, you know, if you watch the goal, you saw Kimpembe trying to block Mara's. He seemed pretty slow. Now, another problem. Another problem. When you're defending a player, you have to just take the situation that gives him the least space. Like some, like sometimes in football, you know, like anybody who plays football, of course, you'll be able to relate. Sometimes you do your best. Or even any sport, in basketball, whatever, you play like very good defense, but man, the offense is just so good, and like the offense beats the defense, you're gonna clap. But as as a player, as a player in a defensive situation, you have to make sure you must make sure you play your best defense. Okay, you you must you must make the player make hard shots. The shots must be hard. There's no reason why Kimpembe should have let Maris take a first time shot in that situation. I promise you, Marish should have dribbled him. If Marish caught him, like dribbled him, and then scored, no problem, no problem. But you have to cover the chance of a first time. You have to cover the chance of a first time. And he wanted to do that, but he did that very badly. He took a step short. He took a step short. He was a step short. Okay, a step short. He was meant to take one more step before stretching his body out because you're running with somebody and you stop a step before that person where the person is and then you stretch your leg so therefore you're giving the person space there's actually space there if you take one more step even without stretching you're already directly blocking the person okay 
then if you stretch then there's hardly any space and knowing Marius, of course it's tricky he might cut back onto his left foot and eventually score a grid but i can't just get over talking about kimpembe not doing his best like you just have to take one more step how can it be you're, you're a step short and you're stretching for what to do what like Marius clearly like you're stretching to do what come on you're not stretching you're not you're not you're not you're not peter crouch you're not that long you're not that long your legs are not going to get there obviously Marius is in front of you so what are you stretching from there for you take another step before stretching, so that was very poor. So I have to say, so generally speaking, to be honest, Pochettino, there are a lot of things he did I didn't agree with, and as I've mentioned earlier, but but it can't erase the fact that the players on the pitch just did a lot of amateur things that actually had nothing to do with the coach. For example, as I said, the goals that they considered, not watching over your shoulders, like this is amateur stuff. This is amateur stuff, you know. Like like even if I'm coaching teenagers. And they do this. I'm going to shout. I'm going to scream at them. You know, like amateur stuff. You have to. You can't. Everybody in defense can't be watching the ball. It's not allowed. It's it's not good enough. So yes. And this being said, again, the red card. Now Manchester City are already in the in in the winning position when uh, with Di Maria got his red card. But still, this is the Champions League. The Champions League is a competition of magic. It's a competition where we see the most crazy nights in European football. Like it's just that. It's just that competition. And if you as a team want to keep fighting i don't know your mentality at that point in time but me personally i believe in fight to the death fight to the death okay like everyone feels like okay you're probably out probably you are but fight it we've seen we've seen so many things happen in champions league that you can't just come and tell me anything like it's impossible it's not impossible just fight to the end so for a player to be getting sent off when his team is trying to get back into the game it's very irresponsible. And he didn't get sent off for something like just a, a mistime challenge, okay? An honest challenge that was mistimed. For off-the-field antics, off-the-field antics, an experienced player like Angel de Maria that's played for the likes of Real Madrid, Benfica, Manchester United, Paris, it is not acceptable. It is not acceptable. You have to keep your cool. I don't know why players do these kind of things. It's not acceptable. You want to win a game. How do you win a game? First of all, by ensuring that your team has 11 players on the pitch. Simple. That is the first step. So keep your head. It's part of discipline. It's part of discipline. You have to know. Like you have to be so interested in winning that these little antics shouldn't get to you. Like just get... Like you see players that mean business. Like I'm not I'm not here to paint anybody as a saint. But you see players like Kevin De Bruyne. I'm not even talking about his ability. Look at his attitude on the pitch. When these kind of things happen, he just gets up and runs. He wants to win. He wants to win. Forget about all these little blah, 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 side talks and push. Like, get up, win. Get up, win. And I've not calculated the exact, uh, uh, the exact amount of minutes PSG played with 10 men over both legs. But it should be about an hour, maybe 70 minutes that PSG played in both legs with 10 men. And this is a lot. I can't pretend this isn't a lot. Like, so these are a lot of factors that go in that actually make me cut Pochettino some slack. First of all, the players on the pitch, they made a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of mistakes. Even from the first leg, remember, from the first leg, the goals they considered, absolutely abysmal. Nothing to do with the coach there. Nothing to do with absolutely abysmal. So as much as Pochettino did a lot of things I don't agree with, I just really have to blast a lot of players here. Not good enough. And also, you being in a losing position and playing about 70 minutes or 60 minutes over both legs with 10 men... Against Manchester City, the best team in the world, you're putting yourself like it's it's almost impossible. Now, moving into the next game, 
Chelsea versus Real Madrid. Of course, this game in particular, I've been very vocal about my predictions everywhere. Chelsea are going to win. The first game, Manchester City versus PSG, was a bit less vocal. But this Chelsea game, because I was so sure, absolutely sure, Chelsea are going to be Real Madrid. The reason is what I said about Chelsea in my previous analysis, if you've been following my podcast. They are difficult to break down. They are difficult to break down. It's as simple as that. You've When you build a base and you have a team that are difficult to beat... You have a team that are difficult to beat. Come on. Then, like, it's just the best thing in football. I keep saying it. And this Chelsea side, this um, Tomochikos Chelsea, this is exactly what I see from them. They are very, very, very difficult to beat. So, like, therefore, I knew Real Madrid couldn't stand a chance against them. Why? Because Real Madrid are not that explosive side again. There are no goals in this side. It's Benzema or nothing. Benzema or Casemiro. Benzema or Sergio Ramos. The other attackers, Vinicius, Eden Hazard, Rodrigo, Asensio. They are just no goals. They don't score goals. They don't like. So they won't. They won't. They won't do anything to Chelsea. And on the other hand, Chelsea can create chances. Chelsea can do stuff. Like what actually really made me confident that this will be a win for Chelsea, and I said it in my last episode, was because Real Madrid versus Liverpool. Real Madrid dominated the first half of the first leg, but after that. Since like the four, the let me just say the forty-fifth minute of that first leg, Liverpool created chances. They got one goal back. They could have got him more in the second leg. Liverpool had oh my goodness, they had so many chances, chance after big chance after big chance after big chance, and they missed and they went out and Real Madrid progressed. Congratulations to Real Madrid. But the thing you have to notice is that Real Madrid are conceding chances. Like you understand. So like this is not this is why I say do not analyze results. Do not analyze results. This Real Madrid side they are conceding a lot of chances. But they were let off the hook because they were playing against Liverpool side that virtually all the attackers are off form and they just don't know. I don't know. The Liverpool are problematic. We all know that if this has been a criticism. Converting, converting at an all-time low rate in terms of shots, shots on target to goal ratio. It's been very poor. So they got away with that one. They played the Liverpool side that are not in their senses. But like you're not going to get away with that way against Manchester City. If Real Madrid somehow progressed to that final, they will lose to Manchester City. Because Manchester City will create against them. And they will score. Okay, you see, Chelsea were not clinical today, but they could put two behind behind uh, in, in the back of the net. Like, Liverpool didn't even need to be clinical. As I said, they just needed to score two goals. They just needed to score two of their numerous chances and they would have gone through. And that's actually that's exactly what Chelsea did today, okay? They were not clinical. Chelsea were not clinical in any way. But they, they got the job done. And that was just why I knew and I was so confident that Real Madrid stood no chance against Chelsea. As I said, that defensive base, that defensive solidity from the Chelsea perspective. And the fact that Real Madrid considered a lot of chances, they're considering chances, we see them. And this Chelsea side, like them not being useless, them being, although Timo Werner is wasteful, but they have guys like Mount and other guys. To be honest, they scored the goals, you know, two goals a game, one goal, but they score goals, it's hard to keep them out, you know. It's hard to keep them out. I don't know the statistics concerning Thomas Tuchel's um, reign in Chelsea exactly, like how many goalless games they've had or if they had any, even. But like from all I can remember from memory right now, they've scored like maybe on average of two a game or something like this. Maybe two, three a game. So, like, yes, they create chances. A lot of times, they are just very clinical. They don't create a lot. But the bottom line is, they will score the goals. Two, and most times, two goals. So, like, that's fair enough for this kind of game, you know. So, a solid one there. And, like, now going into the game and analyzing the game, just as I said, in terms of how the both teams matched up, Real Madrid didn't have a chance. Sorry, Chelsea kept them quiet. But I have to mention, um, um, Mendy, Edward Mendy, he made very fantastic saves. First one was a brilliant effort from Benzema from outside the box, and Mendy was up to the was up to the challenge. I have to say that was a very brilliant save. At first, when I saw it, it, it looked like 
okay, good strike from Benzema, but he should be saving that ball. Like, with another angle, oh my goodness, that was such a good save, such a good save. And of course, even the Benzema header again. But apart from that, Real Madrid didn't see much. In fact, the keeper that actually did a lot also was Thibaut Courtois. Thibaut Courtois also did a lot, so to be honest, it could have been worse to be honest. Chelsea were not clinical at all. But basically, this was the story of the game. Chelsea, Chelsea just deserved to win. Real Madrid couldn't break Chelsea. As I said, Chelsea very, very solid defensively. That shape, it's hard to just break them down. You know, I've seen numerous teams against them. It's hard to break them down. And same applied to Real Madrid this night. They couldn't break, they couldn't break Chelsea down. They had, uh, Chelsea could break them down very easily. A very good reason for that. Angolo Kante, Jorginho, Messi, That midfield is so fantastic. It's a mixture. It's like, it's like the perfect blend of a midfield. Okay, like you have Mount. Who is absolutely everywhere, gliding into those spaces, those half spaces, making those third mile runs, very brilliant. Also working hard, pressing. You have Engo Locante, oh my goodness, an absolute beast, an absolute machine, one of the best of this era. He was just absolutely everywhere, offensively and defensively. Because what I like, what you always don't know, or what most people don't pay attention to about Engo Locante, is his intelligence offensively. I have said this so many times and also if you watch football or like you know football to a certain level it's hard to be so good defensively and not understand the game offensively because like I think it's from an offensive it's from an ex- it's like from an offensive knowledge like a deep offensive knowledge that you tend to be good defensively because you know the predictions you know the predictions of the players you know the predictions of it like you can predict plays and you know where the space is you know the space you will close if this was the other way around. So therefore, you know that that space is open. And then Golokante just exploited everything offensively and defensively. He walked all over Real Madrid's midfield. And the player who has to get a special mention. Like, I think I might give Kante my man of the match. But really, I wouldn't. I'm going to give it to Kai Havertz. Yes, this is where we're going to end. Kai Havertz, my man of the match. Oh my goodness. Kai Havertz showed class today. He showed class today. He was so good on the ball, protected the ball well. Oh my goodness. Like, yes, he didn't score. He didn't assist or anything like that. Okay, probably he's going to get an assist for the Werner goal because of the deflection of the post. But, like, <laughs> he was he was so good today. He was magnificent today. And it's so good to see this. Hopefully, this can be the beginning of new things for this talented German player who hasn't had the best um, starts to life in English football. So briefly, I'm going to preview the Champions League final, which will be on May 29th. In Istanbul, right here. Uh, at the moment, I don't actually have information if there are going to be fans or not. But uh, it's, it's down to the Turkish government. UEFA, of course, are clear. Fans can be allowed. So it's just down to the government of the country. So that's all I have to say concerning the fan situation. Because some people will be asking and all. But down to that match, the preview. And I'm also going to make my predictions, guys. I'm also going to make my predictions. I'm going to tell you who I think is going to win the Champions League final. First of all, like Manchester City are favourites. Simple. Clear. And the truth about them being favourites is finally they are now in the Champions League final. Because we feel like coming into every single season, Premier League, Champions League, you think who are favourites? Manchester City. Who are favourites? Manchester City. Every season. Every season. Every, why? Such a good team. All around. On paper. Everything. Such, such, such a fantastic side in Manchester City. On the other hand, Chelsea, as I've just analysed with this, their clash against Real Madrid, they're a very, very, very good side. Very good side. And I've said why already. And because of this, honestly speaking, I can congratulate Thomas Tuchel and tell him he has Thomas blessings. I feel Chelsea are going to come out victorious. Chelsea are 
2020-2021 Champions League winners. There you go. That is my prediction. Chelsea will beat Manchester City. And I'm going to go ahead and give a scoreline prediction. Chelsea 2, Manchester City 1. Please make sure you subscribe, like, share and show love and support. It is actually what continues to take us higher. You know, like, you know you're enjoying this podcast. Okay, so why not involve more, more people? Why not tell other people? And telling other people doesn't only have to be, hey, Tana Toxoka, by liking, by rating, by sharing, by listening, you're informing the algorithm that this is the bomb because it actually is. Once more, thank you very much for listening and wait for Chelsea to beat Manchester City because I say so. Good night. Oh, I don't know what time of the day you're listening to this. Oh my goodness. I just exposed myself on record at night. Good anything, just good. Okay. May peace be with you. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.